is the, your CMS or your digital asset management solution or whatever the cool kids are calling this shit now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Oh, sorry. We're not cool, are we? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 182 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday the 9th of September. Hope you've had a great week. You are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. I'm your host Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but with this podcast, I share the marketing street knowledge I've picked up on my journey from sysadmin to CMO with the help of some true rockstars, my guests and chums, who I hope will inspire the marketing rockstar in you. Come say hello. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com and also rockstarcmo on LinkedIn and Twitter. This week, I share a bit about the profanity in marketing. So a warning, I do swear this week. Our resident Rockstar CMO advisor, Jeff Clark, judges my top five marketing techs I think we all need. And we end the week with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar for a cocktail and a marketing thought. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Before I get to Jeff, here's a quick thought from me. A few months back, I saw a post on LinkedIn that was sharing the promotion of the Everyone Hates Marketing newsletter. And in the promotion, it said, learn to stand the fuck out, it boldly claimed. It floated into my feed as one of my connections had commented, questioning the use of profanity in the promotion. And I swear occasionally on this podcast, as you know, and I gave a keynote presentation at Martech Fest in Utrecht this week. And I was on a panel and I swore a little bit. And it reminded me of this LinkedIn conversation. I thought I'd share it here. As the adults used to say when I was a kid, was that big or clever? According to another comment in this thread on LinkedIn, Will Smith, when he's not smashing comedians in the face, once said he doesn't swear in his raps because his grandma told him. Truly intelligent people do not have to use words like this to express themselves. And I think when I was a kid, my dad would say something similar to me about it being a sign of having a limited vocabulary. (laughs) However, on becoming an adult, I quickly discovered he swears like a fucking trooper. But back to whether you should be profane in marketing. Well, of course it depends. And on this podcast, I might say, here are five effing reasons you might. For the start, number one, it shows a rawness and passion for the topic. Number two, it grabs attention. Of course, that's why swear words were invented. Number three, it can be surprising or funny. Number four, it can help you differentiate, show your voice and find your kind of people. And five, it's a bold move. It shows confidence. But of course, you should be careful. Firstly, it's not too much of a surprise or jolt that you are on brand. The thing that shocked us about Will Smith whacking a guy at the Oscars is he's a never swore in his lyrics guy, right? So you didn't expect him to do it. Secondly, depending on context, it can exclude people if it comes across as a bit too male or macho. 
Of course, swearing is an inclusive sport, open to all. I know lots of different kinds of people that swear, but just be sensitive to that context about how that might come across. And you may sound oafish, crass or insensitive. And maybe that's your brand. Maybe that's what you need to get across. But remember, someone may be thinking, oh, that shows a lack of vocabulary. It boils down to the A word, authentic and not looking like an arse. Yes, I know we've worn out the word authentic in marketing recently, but it's true. If you want to be profane, have a potty mouth with purpose. Okay, that's quite enough of me. The full article that I posted on my blog has some additional research I did. Specifically, it refers to some really nice articles on the topic I found from Anne Handley, the author of Everybody Writes. I'll link to that in the show notes. Right. Let's hear from a proper expert. Jeff Clark, our resident Rockstar CMO advisor and former research director who's in our marketing studio. Ian, welcome to the studio. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you, mate. Uh, apart from, you know, <laughs> the daily stresses and grinds, I suppose, of, of being the modern day CMO. But yeah, I'm all right, thank you. All the pleasure to see you, mate. The, the fun and the stress of being a modern day cmo um so i'm doing okay it's a we're having hot weather here in new england because mm-hmm. uh in hurricane season I'll, I'll sometimes the hurricanes push that florida weather all the way up here so that's what we're experiencing yeah. today yeah same here it's hot and humid here and the weird thing is, is having i mean we talked about it for a few weeks having spent some time in spain it was hot there but it's a dry heat once it starts getting warm here and it's humid you it really gets wet it. so uh today we have another Mm. edition where we turn the tables on ian and put him in the the hot seat so we're going to discuss the five Mm. most important essential martech tools or categories of tools for b2b marketing and i know we've covered martech from a lot of different perspectives but this is great to kind of give people an understanding of what types of tech should be in their stack uh but Mm. before we dive into your essential tool lists. Um, what say you, Ian? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and also, I like the way you're so polite about our five lists. Of course, I am going to share this as the top F in tools <laughs> as part of our standard F5 F in things. And I've had to keep myself down to five. But yeah, so and we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, thank you for recording early this week, because tomorrow I head off to the Martech Festival in Utrecht. And I'll be talking about art in MarTech. Now, we've discussed art on the show before, awareness, revenue and trust. But also, I'm going to talk a little bit about marketing technology and what tools people should choose and how they go about doing it. Um, So I've been thinking about this topic and us modern day content creators are supposed to repurpose what we do. So I was thinking about my top five effing tools and I want to see what you thought of them. So... That's, yeah, and then I'll come up my with my top list. five, and then we may end up having ten. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm interested in what you think of. I mean, I know we we both share with the listener already that we have notes and we 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 kind of uh, put this stuff down. But I am really curious as as how you feel about my list. Okay, so, let's see. So where do mm-hmm. we start? I'm going to hand it well, right back to um, you. Where do we start? Well, the old sort of uh, one of the ways I was kind of classifying some of the tools that we work with uh, is the old Jeffrey Moore systems of engagement, systems of record type thing. Right. So 
The problem is, is as is well documented, there are what, 8,000, 80,000, 8 billion, can't remember. I have lost track. Tools, right? <laughs> and I, about think, I think he double eight. counts them, by the way. <laughs> I, well, yeah. Well, let's not get into the data in, the, in, the, in that, but that's the Scott Brinker um, MarTech landscape work, right? And um, what, what I want to do is try and simplify it. So what I've thought of was the core system. The first one where we start is a system of record, which is your CRM. And the way that I want to address CRM in our conversation is not just like a sales tool that tracks sales <laughs> or one that tracks customers in terms of, you know, uh, customer satisfaction, customer care, but also how we as marketers, you know, we need to have the CRM. So it kind of bleeds into marketing automation because, as you, you know, there's that, there's that gray area, isn't there, between marketing automation and CR, CRM. But the fact that, you know, that it's, um, that it's somewhere where we track all of our digital interactions uh, with uh, and where we track all of the interactions people have with our systems of engagement, which I'll get to in a minute, and that anything digitally gets wired into the CRM. And, um, and of course, one of the things that I've had a challenge with in, in previous roles is that B2B marketing is account-based. It isn't individuals, and often CRM systems are set up around individuals or some marketing automation tools are set out that way. So we need to think about being account-based. Um, and we also need to decide what's the master record for us as marketers between marketing automation and CRM. But my first, so a few points there, a few random bullet points, uh, is the, the system of record, the CRM. What do you think? Well, I've often thought that the the starting point for any marketing department, you know, whether you're starting as a, you know, as a, as a startup in startup business or you're mm-hmm. building a marketing function is that, you know, the, the CRM, the marketing automation tool and your website are like the three base components. I mean, everything else builds yeah. off of that. And so um, I like the term system of record. Um, and oftentimes, in my experience, that clients use the CRM or you could call it Salesforce automation tool or whatever, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. They use that as the system of record since that's where the lead tracking and accounting of, of uh, you know, how, how uh, opportunities are closed or lost, you know, where it all happens. And so the one of the things that I think has been a challenge for CRM systems as of late, particularly for marketers, but even for sales, is, is that you get more different tools uh, and they're all capturing data that sometimes the CRM becomes, uh, is not uh, quite equipped to handle yeah all of that information well. And so then that's when, you know, and we may talk about this later, but that's when you get into customer data repositories or using data warehouses or data lakes, et cetera, to, you know, to kind of, you know, be that, that (laughs) the backup system of record for your other systems of record. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, yeah, we've just acquired a CRM as part of our, not acquired it as in bought it as a customer. We've acquired a CRM company. Um, and I think one of the int- and we already have a CDP in our stable as well, right? So one of the interesting things for us is the use case of CDP versus CRM with our own customers and with ourselves use- drinking our own champagne. And I think that CDP seems to lean more towards B two C with the very large volumes and personalization, all that kind of stuff. And then CRM tends to lean more towards, and certainly with marketing automation tools, certainly needs, leans towards B two B. Certainly that's how I've been looking at it. But I think you're absolutely right. I think 
some CRMs just aren't built and some marketing automation tools aren't built for that volume of data you need about an individual to drive personalization. So they can't help drive your personalization engine, right? So I think I think you make a really good point about CDP. And you're right, we were going to talk about it in a bit, but luckily well, it wasn't the, one of my top I think, five. I mean, you, you hit the point is that it's volume and complexity. That, yeah. That it, so you might be a B2B, at least my experience is B2B marketers that are in companies that are getting more complex and have higher volumes. Yeah. It's You start looking and acting more like a business-to-consumer marketing organization. That's- Absolutely. So what is your next mm. category of tools? No, it's a good point because we should move on because we can't spend 20 minutes just talking about <laughs> we, um, Well, we could. We, we could have a whole episode on systems yeah, of record, maybe, actually. Yeah, maybe we should one day because I think that's re- that, that CRM, CDP, marketing automation, uh, set, you know, which is the, rec- the, 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 the yeah, one record, you know, the one, the one customer profile that rules them all. And where does that sit? So I think it's really interesting. Yes. Well, anyway, so... The next one is, and I've been, I've cheated, really, to be honest with you, because I'm lumping a whole bunch of stuff together, Um, because I went with the Jeffrey Moore thing about systems of engagement. So here, and where marketing automation also sat with one foot in what we've just described, I would say the next one are your systems of engagement. So marketing automation, your email marketing platform, your personalization platform, your your ad platforms, your website social media all that stuff your systems of engagement which i think is completely cheating because it's not that's that's like whole. <laughs> that's not even a category of tools that is a that is a collection of categories of tools and so um and and what i what i what i think we're increasingly well we've known this for 20 years but i think this is coming to fruition now is that omnichannel is is more than just web and email we need to be we need to be cognizant of the consumer, whether B2B or B2C's need to, 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 to do messaging, to, to work with us in conversational sales and marketing with chatbots. We need to do all that stuff. So I don't think, you know, so, so that you need to build a system of engagement and it may have a number of components, I think is where I'm getting away with my little cheat there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, so I don't think that's cheating i i I, I hate to give you (laughs) and give you one on this but no because so when i used to uh do uh i shouldn't say used to because i still do it when i do technology audits um and if the crm and the systems of record were sort of in they're solid and they're in place the first place that i would look for where there's performance issues redundant capabilities etc is this whole set of you know, systems of engagement, and, you know, we could probably mm-hmm. call it by a number of different names, but that's where there's often, you know, it's like, you know, you mentioned, you know, email engines. Well, sometimes people have an email engine for their, their, their big email blast. Sales has their own email engine, your event uh, management tool, you know, where you're doing mm-hmm. invites to webcasts or personal, I mean, that might mm-hmm. have its own email tool. And so you, yeah. you know, you start to have to ask our, do you need all of these? Is there a way that is there a way we can set up your market automation tool to yeah. serve all of those needs so you're not managing multiple tools sure. to do roughly the same function? Um, but I also think it makes sense because it's like you're you're saying, you know, there's there's this big hunk of stuff that's in the back office. <laughs> it's our system of yeah. record, and there's a whole bunch of things that are facing the customer and yeah. And one of the things we need to do is make sure we're providing a consistent experience yeah. across all of those things and that all those things are feeding back into our system of record so that uh, 
we know how we've engaged yeah. clients. We know what they're yeah, thinking. I want to just, yeah, I just want to rewind a little bit. And I meant to interrupt you, actually, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> it's that when you were talking about the different kind of emails being sent out, that's absolutely cognizant on my mind from my day job right now, right? Because we do have various capabilities for our customers to send emails. And we're looking at that about how's the best way of making that more efficient. Because you know, every point of contact with the customer needs to be correctly branded. It needs to have the correct messaging. It needs to have the correct images. And every time you add a new one, you add to that complexity of managing your digital assets and you manage your content and you manage your messaging. So there's that one side of it. But there are also different needs. So your transactional emails, the emails that sort of tell you that, um, I don't know, an order has been processed or, you know, it's been shipped and all this kind of stuff has, has slightly different technical needs and works to a different part of the business than your marketing emails which don't really matter if if they spend a day getting to you but if an order confirmation spends a day getting to you then you have a problem right so as as this that i think that topic is also really interesting whether we could do 20 minutes on just email i don't know but i liked what you were saying there absolutely it's i mean it's a that's a absolutely a fair point because basically you you need to make sure that all of those systems of engagement are, mm. I mean, they're doing the job appropriately and they don't, I mean, yeah. I've, I've just, I've run into companies that, you know, they had Pardot and they had, uh, you know, they had Eloqua and they had, and they, mm. you know, because they came from different companies or they had different yeah. instances of the same technology yeah. and they just hadn't quite figured out how to rationalize it. So it's, yeah. um, it's just, you know, when you, you have to take a capabilities view, say, what am I trying to yeah. accomplish? Yeah. And am I doing it and my systems doing it in the best way that's most efficient yeah. internally and, and providing that consistency outside? Yeah. And that's the point to your tech audit, isn't it? Is you start with your requirements. So I have a requirement. I need to send um, order confirmation emails. Well, which of the seven systems that I've got is yeah. the best one to do that? And let's <laughs> what, get rid of the other six, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So we talked about systems record and systems engagement. Mm-hmm. What is the next systems of fill in the blank? <laughs> well, the weird thing is that the, the weird thing is that this is third. If you you know my history, right? So um, this may be fan of these technologies and spent twenty odd years working in them, and been a proponent of the business process which they enable, which of course is content marketing, and that is the, your CMS or your digital asset management solution or whatever the cool kids are calling this shit now. <laughs> <laughs> or what? Content oh, sorry. Hub. We're not cool, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, I was, I, was, I was pleased to see on LinkedIn that Forrester were referring to a CMS as a CMS and not as a digital experience platform or any of these other things. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think yeah. we're kind of, we, we seem to, I think particularly with Headless, we seem to have made a full circle back to the fact that we believe a CMS that drives your website is called a CMS. Um, and, um, you know, although, of course, it is also a system of engagement because, we do talk about decoupled and we do talk about headless, but I think your content operations is like a almost a, a separate system of record of the content of where you manage it. Whether or not your CMS delivers to your website, it also needs to be capable of delivering to other channels, right? So I think that's what I would say. The other thing, of course, is that a good CMS or a good digital asset management solution will, of course, manage some of that workflow and approval that we need as marketers. And we'll get onto that a bit in a, in a moment, I think, on my fifth one. But 
Some of that functionality is also super useful, isn't it, when you're doing marketing resource management or you're managing your campaign. So how far does your CMS or DAM go into workflow? My experience, and this goes back to the days when I used to sell CMS and I used to be in pre-sales, is we'd show them the funkiest workflow in the world, be super proud of it, and they'd go, can we turn that shit off? (laughs) 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 Because we haven't really moved on from the same three people managing our content that we always have, right? So it hasn't Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... I'm um, so yeah. So my third is uh, a good CMS or digital asset management solution or combination of the two. Yep. So yeah, I uh, totally agree. This is a extremely important um, piece of the of the puzzle, and you know we often thought of this as increasingly important in terms of the orchestrating between. Mm. You know, we've gone through the systems of record, which have information to help us make decisions, and then we've got the systems of engagement. So this, you know, the, the content management system and the dam, mm. you know, provide that way of letting us do proper targeting, personalization, reuse content, reinforce brand. You know, mm. when we, you know, when we talk about customer experience, yeah. um, if you don't have a tool like this, yeah. uh, you're just working around the edges uh, yeah. to provide a good customer experience. And I think that these are uh, absolutely essential. And, I mean, you did kind of touch. Yes. This is this is where we get into gray areas of the of what mm. you know the terminology that the cool kids use because yeah. you know marketing resource management, which was the you know which was a, a longstanding category, you know, kind of flows into dams and mm. and um, you know content marketing systems. We're doing a lot of like you know dam work for mm. specific purpose for specific output. Yeah. So it's it's um. This is an area that often, to, yeah. in my experience, has confused a lot of customers. Is they have got all these different systems, and yeah. this provides this, and this does this, and so so making sense of this this category in your t- marketing tech stack is really important. <laughs> yeah, um, the uh, the I want to rewind back to a point you made there, which I think we could probably do twenty minutes on as well. Aside from all the different fractions within the category, the general category of content management is the fact that we spend an awful lot of time, and I've been saying this for about 20 years, we spend an awful lot of time understanding our customer, but we spend very little time understanding our content. And if you don't understand your content and you don't have it tagged, you can't do personalization. And it's kind of dull metadata. Who wants to talk about that? But unless you have your content, and even if you're automating your metadata tagging and using uh, AI or whatever to do that, you still need to have that managed in a repository, right? You still need a CMS. You can't scattergun that so yes so that's absolutely that was my third cms so systems of records system engagement the sort of you know content management and digital asset management systems yeah what is next well the next one and again um I'm completely cheating with my five because I've gone so broad of each one of these things and maybe that suggests that we should dive into each of these five at some point and break them out but the fourth I've gone for analytics and dashboarding and again i've lumped a bunch of things together but this could be one single technology it could be that you've decided that you want to implement uh you know one of the big reporting tools across that will sit across everything that's certainly something that i like um and i think that executives like i think they like to have somewhere to go to i think um building live dashboards and that kind of stuff whilst it's a huge heavyweight lifting for your MarTech team at the beginning, 
not having somebody spending three days creating management reports every month, it, it'll pay off right in the end yeah. right? if you yeah. can build, yeah. build these. But the other thing I think that some of these tools highlight for us is that this is part of the composability discussion. And now to get down with the, the cool kids and their terminology of composability, I think when we're selecting our tools, we need to think about how they're going to fit into our analytics or dashboarding environment, right? And I think rarely we consider that, you know, we rarely consider the data flows of content or the data flows of information. And I think if you're going to choose, this is where I want to do my reporting, then you're going to need to consider the tools that you plug into that uh, as part of that, right? Um, and, and, you know, the wiring and the instrumentation on the website and what, what impact that's going to have and all that kind of stuff. So my fourth is analytics and dashboarding. I, so uh, again, I'm going to uh, say that there, there's no reason to um, excuse the fact that you're created a category which <laughs> could seem broad or, yeah. or or could be one tool. Because I, I think that um, the reality is that you know it's like every everything you've mentioned so far has got a has got a dashboard capability yeah. or ability to create reports. Exactly. You know, they I mean they absolutely all do. And so I think one of the things that companies and marketing teams need to do is to say okay what what do i use the the reports that come out of those individual tools you know who uses them what do they use them for what do i need to aggregate together in yeah. a dashboard i mean obviously there's the tracking you know funnel metrics and all that which can be done in your crm system mm-hmm. uh, you know quite handily but if you're getting into more complex things um uh and you've got you know you've got marketing has goals that have nothing to do with uh, the pipeline, then it's like, what tool am I going to use? And I worked with a client once that um, they had a, a an analytics team that was putting together a, a data lake and a dashboard to to inform marketing and sales. And one of the concerns they had was how do we well, how do we distinguish between what we want people to use the corporate dashboard for? Mm-hmm. Versus their own tools, like you know, if if I'm in, you know, the email marketing team and I want to get opens and click throughs, then I'm going to go right to the email marketing team. I don't necessarily have to go to another yeah. dashboard. Or if I'm in a social team, yeah, but you I know, wanna... my social media management is going to provide me some 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 data. So yeah, so this is you know, from an enablement perspective, <laughs> educating your users as what you go to, what tool do you go to for what. And, but that's and what my insight point. is that, that, that going to give you? That's entirely my point, Jeff. And, and also, um, right, so I have to stop your, your monologue for a moment. But um, that's exactly my point, is in large organizations, different emails are being sent out by different systems in different markets in different ways, right? You as a leader that's reporting to C-suite is going to want to get an overview of all of that, right? It isn't a, you, you can't sort of say to somebody, okay, well, for that particular report, you need to grab a bit of this and grab a bit of that. That's exactly what I'm saying about dash. That's the challenge with dashboarding is. And the other challenge you have, of course, is data fidelity across all of them is that some systems report one way, other systems report a different way. And you kind of end up dumbing down what it is that you can report across the piece. Right. And that's the challenge, too. So um, I agree with you. Um, absolutely. But that's also the same with the email capabilities you were talking about earlier on, right, in marketing automation and, and stuff is. A lot of tools have a little bit of something that they can do, but they're not yep. they're not specialists at it. So yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, so I completely agree. All the tools so far have analytics capabilities, but I really think we should push and try and build dashboards across the top. Yep, 
Maybe naively. <laughs> <laughs> I say not. So systems of record, systems of engagement, uh, content and digital asset management, yeah. analytics and dashboarding. So you have one more category to go. Yeah, and this was um, this is the thing that I trust. This is the thing I've needed and trusted the most as a CMO in the last two CMO roles. Well, almost, probably in all, many, many leadership roles I've had, and that is your old standard, your Trello, your Asana, your Monday, whatever it is that you use to manage your workflow. So this isn't connected. And this was, you know, I came to my fifth and was thinking, there are a whole bunch of things that I haven't said yet, but what is the most important one to me? And, the, 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 you know, you have to have, you have to have processes mapped within your organization and you need to have technology that helps map that helps fit those those processes right um what i when i started off with this i was thinking about orchestration and was going to broaden out the term so it was like both orchestration of the customer experience and orchestration of your marketing team but that was uh, that was really mushing two categories together um so <laughs> i could have had orchestration of the experience here personalization engine and that kind of stuff absolutely but if i can only choose five i think it would be uh, workflow management uh, within the team. Well, you know, you can only choose five. I know. Uh, unless, I, you, I unless, know. unless you have a note from your doctor that says why. You can, so. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, uh, I, I agree with this as a really important category because uh, to me, any client I've worked with that has productivity issues or inconsistency of operating mm. procedures, I'd say, well, what manages your workflow? And they may either say nothing. Yeah. Or they might say, well, the content team uses X and the PR team uses Y and marketing ops uses Z. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, when you're thinking about efficiency within an organization, you have to think about how processes work across teams yeah. or you know, maybe even dipping into sales, the sales ops. And so um, I think this is a critical category, um, definitely worth noting. Yeah, yeah. And um, that, la- that, that point there... Um- about different tools within different teams, I'm seeing that right now, right? So I'm bringing together a disparate marketing team that were working in individual business units. And as I've mentioned a few times, we acquire companies. So therefore, they have their own way of working and you've got spreadsheets, you've got all this stuff. Unless you've got this and we're, you know, we're, this, is, this is a big piece of change control you need to do within your team or change management within your team is getting them enabled on these, these tools, but also enabled on the processes that you want to run on these tools. So yes. I'm glad you vote. I'm glad you agreed with me on that. But we're um, uh, what I just noticed as well. Uh, so those are my top five, and I had to miss some. I wanted to ask you what would make your top five. So maybe let's do that next week because I know you're tight for time because you've had Absolutely. to reschedule for me. So why don't we do yours? Actually, next week? yeah, happy to do yeah, that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so happy to do that, and maybe we can yeah. also dive into how some of your different types of use cases. Yeah may send you in some different directions to talk about something yeah. else or some other category. So, hopefully, so we need to close yep. though. Oh, go no, ahead. I was going to say, hopefully the, uh, the listener will be patient with us and help and listen to another episode about marketing technology. I hope that's useful. Next yeah, week, yeah. next Saturday, yeah, tune, tune in. in. Um, so what is your, we always close on a song. <laughs> so what is the song? And I have, I have to, uh, I have to just note that I, <laughs> It provided some suggestions were which were in uh, this century, um, and, and Ian has come up with great tune from the last century, just barely into the last century. So, what do you got for us? You're absolutely right. You made some great suggestions, but I just had to go with this one. I'm going with "Man Machine" by Robbie Williams. 
good British uh, artist, of course, from 1998, only because I had it in my head because it's featured in one of my favourite movies, which is Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, so I'll be playing out with that. And next week I'll be picking you one can... of the favourite rock and rolls hits from the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Not that I go back that far. I just want to say. Okay. Right. Sounds see you good. Next week. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Sitting in the cheap seats underneath the stars. I'm heading back to base. I'll drop you off of Mars. I'm showering all your face. Oh, I style you from. I try to make conversation, but I'm too far gone. I'm a man machine. Thank you, Jeff. That was a little bit of Man Machine from Robbie Williams from 1998. And we'll be digging into more of Jeff's view on marketing technology next week. Right, it's that time of the week to wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join Robert Rose, Chief Troublemaker at the Content Advisory, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome hello. to the bar. And, well, this weekend, um, mm-hmm. and I know you're following this very closely, but this weekend is, of course, the launch of the NFL weekend. So we're very excited <laughs> here in the bar. We're, we're, we're going to change the bar over to a sports bar. Um, and uh, it is it is going to play all NFL all the time for the weekend because everybody's <laughs> excited about that here. Well, I'm excited about that, and so Fun. and so we yes. have a special drink um, for the launch of this. And so any longtime listener of this show, and of course any listeners that overlap into our little other show on yes. on podcasting called This Old Marketing will know that I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. Sorry, unapologetically, uh, Dallas Cowboys <laughs> fan. So you can turn me off if that freaks you out. Um, so we're going to have what we're calling the blue and silver mojito, which is, of course, blue Ooh. and silver being the Dallas Cowboys colors. Mm-hmm. And so what we have here is a bit of a twist on a classic mojito, um, mm-hmm. which uh, because it's Texas and Dallas, we're going to go with tequila instead of uh, your classic rum. But we are mm. going to go with sort of the blue, uh, which in this case are going to be blueberries, um, oh, yeah. which will get infused into the drink. Now, you can muddle these. You can just pop them in. You can squeeze them. You can do whatever you like here. It doesn't really <laughs> matter because the tequila here is going to be the real main player anyway. Uh-huh. And so um, I like the muddled because that basically takes yeah. care of a lot of the seeds and, and those sorts of things. And then a few maybe a garnish on top. So mm-hmm. we want then a Blanco tequila or commonly a silver tequila, um, which is a, a Blanco. Uh, also mm-hmm. makes nice cocktails. And then we're going to add a little fresh mint into that. So we're going to have a little fresh mint, a little tequila, then mm-hmm. blueberry. Um, and then if you can find... Uh, a little, and this is going to sound weird. I know it's going to sound <laughs> weird. If you can find a blueberry or blackberry vodka, um, 
you can use that instead of the blueberries and really cook yourself up on a Sunday. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> you're going to add a little more, uh, whether you like um, a little sparkling seltzer, a little sparkling water, a little club soda, uh-huh. whatever is your favorite little uh, splash of, <laughs> of bubbles there. You're going to mix all that together uh, yeah. and probably put it into a eh, pretty good sized glass um, and uh, enjoy yourself as you sit back and watch the launch Splendid. of kickoff weekend. Splendid. Well, I, I mean, I know that on your show, a lot of people, uh, well, it's, uh, you, it, you say on your show that there are people that complain about the American football reference. The first 12 minutes is often <laughs> talking about football. I re- it's my football edge. It's my American football education absolutely every week. So I enjoy it. So don't stop doing that. And who, who are you guys playing on Saturday? Or is it Saturday you're playing or Sunday? It will be. The, no, t- this weekend will be the Sunday night game. So oh, they okay. all play on. Uh, everybody plays on Sunday um, or right. Monday because there's Monday mm-hmm. night football, of course. So yeah. everybody will kick off on. Uh, well, act, the actual NFL kickoff is it was uh, as this plays will have been Thursday. It will have been uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, two days prior. Um, but most of the teams, every other team will play Sunday and ours game, which will be the, uh, the New York giants will be on Sunday night. Uh, so, uh, late, 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 late for you. You won't be able yes, to watch no, it because it'll be 2 a.m. or something your time. But yeah, um, I do yeah. try and catch the Cowboys sometimes because we do have it on TV here when it's at a reasonable time. I do try and do that. What's, what's your, and, um, I'm trying to channel my inner, Joe Polizzi here, but what's your prediction there for New York Giants? My prediction Cowboys? is for a good season. I'm I'm a little I'm a little <laughs> concerned because of the hype that uh-huh. is surrounding my team right now, and and quote unquote they're supposed to be good, and whenever they're supposed to be good, they usually uh-huh. fail to live up to that expectation. <laughs> so I'm a little worried about that, but otherwise, statistically, they look like they should be a very strong team. Right. And New York Giants, are they going to be a, a pushover for you? They're, guys well, they're in the midst of rebuild. They're in the ah. final, I would say, the final phases of a rebuild. So they could yeah. be surprisingly good. They could be surprisingly good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've had quite a bit of change over the last couple of years. And so one would argue that they're still in a bit of rebuild mode. But but uh, oh. doing, you know, they could be they could be definitely a dark horse here. Jolly good. And so go Cowboys. Are you and because you said New York Giants first and then Cowboys second, that means you guys are at home, right? It is not. We are actually oh. playing in New York. We, are, we oh. will be playing in New York. It'll be a visiting <laughs> game. Yeah. Splendid. Open the open on the road. All right. So there's I've always wanted to try and emulate this old marketing. And by the way, I made reference to Joe Polizzi, who's your co-host on this old marketing. And I think Indeed. I've successfully done that because we're five minutes into the show and we've talked about American football. So that's splendid. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Um, where will we be taking... Oh, no, I've got to make the fucking thing. Sorry, excuse my language. Um, so I will attempt to make... I got distracted by the, the topic as well. Oh, I've just dropped something on the floor. Yeah, oh, there um, we go. I, I am going to attempt to make this very same drink, using only the uh, ingredients on my desktop bar. Um, I have uh, the most English of tequilas, or even the most English of blueberry vodkas, and that is, of course, some gin supplied to us by the lovely people at Hendrix. I say supplied to us, I paid for it in the shop. They don't supply us with anything. And by the way, last week I went on about the tonic being made by Hendrix, but of course that is the lovely people at Fever Tree. And talking of the lovely people at Fever Tree, they have infused already some of my soda, which is of course a nice tonic water, with what is the English equivalent of blueberries and mint, the cucumber. 
So I'll just stick a bit of that in there. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be very similar. It's not very blue, to be honest with you. It's probably your, your away strip. <laughs> I don't know. Do, do you have <laughs> there it strip is. and away strips? I think you do. And let me give this a taste. Mmm. That is delicious, Robert. I could drink one of these every week. And what are we calling that? Uh, we'll be calling that the blue and silver mojito, um, but it. it is a tequila mojito. I love it. All right. Well, uh, um, and where will and the we... only thing it's mojito about it is the mint. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. You do your own substitution sometimes. It's not just me. So where where yes. will we be taking these very fine fancy drinks, my friend? Well, normally I mm-hmm. would uh, tell you know that we we should go to the game. Yes, tailgating. Um, but unfortunately, as we just talked about, the game is in MetLife Stadium, which is in uh, Rutherford. Uh, specifically East Rutherford, New Jersey, which, um, you know, and this is likely to gain me the ire (laughs) of all New York uh, people and New Jersey people, but both of which are dumps, um, East Rutherford being a dump as well as MetLife Stadium being a complete dump. So we're going to enjoy the game from the beautiful, wonderful Dallas Cowboys AT&T Stadium Mm -hmm. uh, in Dallas. And we're going to make a pretend. um, They actually do play many of the games on this big screen there and have like a secondary uh, a secondary uh, yeah. a viewing spot, but we will we'll, we will view it there from the comfort of one of the luxurious uh, bars and and uh, uh, establishments in the AT and T Jerry World, as they call it, and we'll we'll enjoy a wonderful uh, blue and silver mojito from there and watch the game in so comfort. Good. Well, I can't argue with that, having uh, lived in, on the East Coast and uh, spent some time in New Jersey. Um, well, just imagine the worst stadium you've ever been in and then sort of multiply it by five. <laughs> yeah, not helping yourself here, mate. But yes, let's... Um, <laughs> let's so have let's, a point of view. That's what they tell me in content marketing is have a point of true. view. That's they true. definitely have one. That's true. Um, and if, 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 if people don't not like you, then people won't like you or something like that, isn't it? We have to form, we have That's to right. form a tribe. So uh, for the remaining uh, New Jersey-hating listeners... <laughs> <laughs> who are yes. our tribe what um uh, and our conversation uh, during one of the breaks i should think or towards the end of the game um turns to marketing what are we talking about this week yeah we'll have plenty of time to talk as the cowboys mm. will be well ahead um and so we'll have <laughs> time to take our eyes mm-hmm. off the field as it were mm-hmm. anyway enough of that <laughs> um we're going to talk about AI because, of course, it's been about 22 minutes since we've last <laughs> spoken about AI. Um, there's an interesting thing going on here, and, and, and I want to talk about the idea of building on our success versus uh, uh, figuring out how to fill the gaps of our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And, and here's what I mean by that. So uh, one of the things that we watched happen in AI – uh, is because one of the challenges that we've seen, and that's, and when I say AI here, I'm shorthanding generative AI, right? It's creating yeah. content for marketing teams, etc. And basically, one of the challenges that we have seen is that the processes uh, for basically everything, and we've talked about this on this show, to the left of the publish button, just mm-hmm. don't exist, right? Um so there are no processes to optimize, so therefore it's really difficult to put in AI. And one of the things that we do in our consulting work all of the time is that we go in and we we audit what we call um, the occurrent processes. And the occurrent processes are 
okay, how does stuff mm-hmm. really get done, right? You know, I know your, I know your documentation and your manual and your training materials say this, but yeah, okay, how does stuff really get done? And when we do that, we can identify gaps where AI mm-hmm. could actually mm-hmm. do that. Now, this brings up the question, however, of, well, what do you do once you've identified the gaps? And I'll explain what I mean by that, which is, so there's been a long prevailing theory in business that says basically teams will get more success by building on their strengths rather than trying to focus on repairing any weaknesses. Um, And there's a whole book on this, by the way, that Gallup, um, some people from Gallup, the research organization did quite a while back called Strength-Based Leadership. And basically, I mean, the theory doesn't say you should ignore weaknesses, but what it says is that you should invest your talent and minimize the shortcomings. But here's the thing. Generative AI, nobody's mm-hmm. good at it yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just be honest. We're all, it's so disruptive, so chaotic that nobody, I don't think any marketing team can yet call mm-hmm. it a strength or it's certainly not a differentiating strength. But even when we start to identify the gaps of the team, should we actually focus on our strengths? In other words, should we use AI to leverage and scale what we're already strong at or should we actually use AI to maximize and or fill some of the gaps that the team may have, assuming we can mm-hmm. identify the process around both? And by the way, there's some thinking around this. There's been research done that says looking on strengths, the problem with many team-oriented strengths in businesses is sometimes they're over-indexed weaknesses. You know, So the classic example of this is think of the yeah. creative team in a business, right? creative team that's so amazingly creative and, and just wonderful that in many ways they become sort of idiosyncratic yeah, and you yeah, have yeah. to treat them in a special yeah, way yeah. and they sort of become out of touch, right? Because they're so amazingly, you know, creative that they, they sort of get that reputation of being kind of out of touch with where the business realities are. And so every technology goes through this, but we're seeing AI really play an important role in this, which is basically... So for we work another client, right? So this client is, they've got a process. They know what they're doing in a content creation process. They're doing it well. They're really strong. They've got a great reputation inside the business. And so they start to implement AI. And the question comes, well, do we use this to maximize our strength, which is creating awesome, amazing, original content? Or do we use AI to fill the gaps of what our acknowledged weaknesses are, which are things like we don't have time for research. We don't have time for really figuring out what we're not covering that we should be. We're we're sort of so focused on creating great, amazing content that people ask. We're not terribly strong at suggesting mm-hmm. new and original ideas, and perhaps AI could fill that. Right. They focus there. So in other words, instead of sort of seeing the obvious answer, which is, oh my God, we're amazingly strong. And AI will help us be even stronger by rewriting our content and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. creating even stronger versions of what it is we're creating. They said, no, let's actually focus in on where we think we're the weakest, which is providing original new ideas for the business to talk about. So really using ChatGPT or generative AI to go research new topics that we should be talking about and apply our strengths where we already have them. And it, it is working very, very well for them. So it's an interesting 
analysis and a lens to put on as you're starting yeah. to look at AI and how it might implement yeah. in your own teams to say, do we want to impact our greatest strength? Maybe. Or do we want to impact our greatest weaknesses? Maybe. Do we want to do both? Or do we want to do one then the other? It's a great question to ask as you start thinking yeah, about how yeah, AI can really great. help. And I think that... Um, I've not come across that Gallup research. There's a book. Uh, it's a wonderful book. It's um, it's called Strengths Based Leadership. Right. I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, great book. It's it's wow. it's maybe ten years old now. I think maybe ten yeah. or twelve years old now at this point. But um, great book. Great. It's a great book. And and by the way, I'm not degrading the looking at the strengths. Yes. It's just an interesting corollary yeah, well, to I look had, at um, the other. Well, the thing I was also going to say is that I've also read that about people about yourself in terms of self-help is that you should focus on your strengths and you know and less on your because it takes so much more energy to fix your weaknesses than it does to you know just be it much can better, yeah. it absolutely yeah, can yeah. i mean for this particular you know it's interesting because for this particular team yeah. uh as we were talking with them nobody knew right yeah. yeah yeah you know what i mean in other words they're their acknowledged weakness wasn't something that the outside, the rest of the business would even have perceived, right? Yeah. In other words, they're doing such good work. They're so strong that them producing new original ideas yeah. that would work for the business and make, you know, make their content mm. marketing, make their thought leadership better mm. wasn't even seen by the business as a weakness. They saw it as a weakness, but the mm. business didn't see it as a weakness. And so yeah. it's an interesting it's an interesting challenge because what you're saying is I want to address something that nobody thinks is a weakness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And get better. I like, I like this. Yeah. But, and get but better also, at it. Right. Yeah. But I also think that AI is so disruptive that maybe it tests some of these theories like, you know, this strength based leadership idea, right? You can understand that if it's going to take an awful lot of effort for you to, focus on weaknesses and not strengths then that doesn't make a lot of sense but if ai then takes away a lot of that effort that that um formula changes doesn't it in in terms of oh this gives us now a, a, not a shortcut i don't want to say shortcut but it gives us a less less um resource intensive way of 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 fixing some of the things that perhaps we're weaker at Maybe. Well, totally. I mean, I think yeah, one yeah. of the knee-jerk yeah. reactions that we're seeing happen when yeah. AI gets in is like, well, you know, the business perceives us as being something. So mm. let's use AI to maximize that perception, right? Yeah. yeah. In other words, yeah. that'll be the safe way to go because, yeah. you know, everybody thinks, right, that AI should make us, you know, be able to do more, produce more mm -hmm. content, produce more iterations of content, do more A-B mm -hmm. testing, all those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And those things may be perceived strengths by the rest of the business. Like, yeah, the content team does a great job of producing amount of content. And then their perception is, ooh, the content team's going to put in AI. Well, now they'll be able to do twice as much good stuff. And mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. isn't always going to be true, right? And And... <laughs> And yeah. so it almost certainly isn't true. And yeah. so by focusing there, by what the business believes our strengths are, we can yeah. actually sort of self-sabotage ourselves because we're yeah. setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah, yeah. What is that? What, and I, 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 what came to mind when you were saying that was that sort of triangle, which is that you can have it now 
or you can have it cheap, or you can have what's that tri- that triangle of you know? Oh, sure, you yeah, you want it yeah. cheap, faster, of high quality, basically. Yeah, yeah, you can't have all three. You know, you you can that's only right. have two of those. And I think that sounds like that would be the case uh, with AI, wouldn't it? It's like, well, if you need something immediate and fast and now, okay, we can do something like that, but it won't be quality. It won't have personality. It won't have this. It'll just be. We're ticking the box here with this piece of B2B content rather than, oh, here's some great thought leadership. There's some great new ideas in it. We're going to go that way, right? Well, yeah, but the interesting yeah. thing is, is that it's, it's the, the, the worst part of that is, is that you're not, you can't, no. what you're doing is basically exacerbating one of the two <laughs> that you can have, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe making it worse, right? <laughs> so it's yeah. like, yes, your perceived strength is you can give me any two at any one, you know, at any yeah. time. But adding AI, my perception is you'll be able to get it to me even faster. (laughs) And the answer is you probably can. No, no, indeed. No, I like this. All right. Well, I know you've got um, you've got places to go. You've got hard stuff. And I've realized we're running over time. And that's fantastic. I love that thought. And where can people find thoughts that were not, I assume, augmented by AI or your weaknesses were not filled by AI? Where might they find those? Well, you can catch it at our brand new sparkly new website. Uh-huh. I know many of you who follow this show will have been like, when is he going to co- stop complaining about his goddamn <laughs> website? Um, and I am stopping complaining about it because we've relaunched it. Um, yeah. We're still updating some of the content. We're still getting some of the older pieces up there, but yeah. it's uh, much better. Uh, and uh, you can actually catch it there. Um, or, of course, on Content Marketing Institute, where I blog fairly regularly love it and also your book arrived through my door did i mention that last week your book arrived through my door content marketing strategy harness the power of your brand's voice by your good self and you must be delighted with this you've got a forward by philip kotler and i think knowing you as much as i do i think that must have been a great thrill must not it having him forward your book uh it's highly satisfying highly satisfying i bet well splendid and i'll include a link to that also in the show notes and most important oh and when we spin the dial on the interwebs where are we going to find you you'll find me on linkedin primarily Uh, these days yeah so i'd love to connect with everybody there awesome and i will include all your links in the show notes and most important for me will i see you in the bar next week you will indeed i look forward to it my friend and uh, go cowboys Thank you very much. much. (laughs) All right, mate. I'll see you next week. Thank you, Robert. Great advice. Build on your strengths. And of course, go Cowboys. I will, of course, include links to all of Robert's things in the show notes. So that's a wrap on episode 182 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Jeff and Robert for sharing their insights and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. You can find all of our links and the things we discussed in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com along with our blog, newsletter and all of our previous episodes. And please let us know what you think via the socials. Drop us a rating or review in your podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, it's more of the same with me, Jeff and Robert, and I hope you again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.